0: gentle beings, I bid you welcome. Welcome to the blood, to the sweat, to the tears. Welcome to your places on the wall.
1: Into another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast, where we take each episode of Andromeda, break it down, and uh, try to find the interesting little nuggets that we can pull out of each episode, find out about the universe, what we like and dislike about it, and what we can learn for our own everyday lives. I am Ryan Mazzako, and I'm Ethan Maestri. Okay. Um, Elijah, I gotta ask you a question. What are you doing in your dad's chair? No, I'm, I'm I'm Ethan. No, I know your family very well. You are most definitely Elijah Maestri, son of Ethan Maestri. Uh, you feeling in tonight? What's going on? No, we we did a Freaky Friday thing earlier, and he's, he's in my room. Hold on, hold on. So, you, <laughs> let me get this straight. You're telling me that right now, you are Ethan, and your dad is is in your bedroom playing video games? No, he's in Arkansas with my mom in their house, probably watching TV right now. Right. Because you are Ethan and your dad lives. Okay, this is getting confusing. Uh whatever. So let's just go ahead and move on. Um episode 64, uh Twilight of the Idols. E- Eli error, sorry, Ethan. This is going to be tough. Um are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. I think uh, you've got some trivia. Uh. Yeah. Uh. All right. No, 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 no. we can't do this. I'm sorry, um, Ethan, but this is just weirding me out. So what I'm going to need you to do, if you can just, I don't know how you guys did this little switch, but you need to get back into the other body, and I need Ethan in here as or you as i know him i'm confusing myself man this is freaky friday and me out
0: all right uh, yeah give me a sec i'll 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 go fix it okay i'm back um that better yes the the, the face match now much much better you can have a conversation with me yes. all right okay yeah
1: it was really thrilling off watching your 16 year old son sitting there drinking a glass of bourbon <laughs> i i'll be honest i did not like
0: that um but he's not gonna remember why it hurts in the morning (laughs) (laughs) that's the beautiful thing all right
1: uh i'm not really sure what we just did there but we're going to continue uh yeah so here we are uh as i said before episode 64 of gene roddenberry's andromeda twilight of the idols uh so yeah let's go ahead and just get right into it then ethan um I believe you were getting ready to do some trivia.
0: I was. In your other body. I was, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, So let's get to the trivia. Uh, This episode, written by Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stentz, it's directed by Richard Flower. Now, I've mentioned him as a director for several episodes throughout this series so far. However, we haven't called his name since The Right Horse here in Season 3. He still has a few more episodes ahead of him in Seasons 4 and 5 actors for this episode we have dean cho he plays lieutenant chang he has well over 150 stunt and acting credits in the business in such films as watchmen the 2014 godzilla and rise of the planet of the apes to name a few he will return in season four of andromeda in the episode double or nothingness sarah jane redmond plays jane rollins she has been a staple in the genre Uh, Well, both in and outside of the genre in television roles, such as being in Millennium as Lucy Butler. She was Nell Potter in the Smallville series and Kaylee Lee in the 100. D. Neil Mark plays Alexandros. He's been in such television shows as The X-Files, Stargate SG-1, Millennium and Smallville. And finally, Michael Ironside. Of course, he plays the patriarch in this episode. He is an actor that had his career begin in the 1970s, and he would later take on the role of director, writer, and producer in other projects. But what has he been in, you might ask? Well, how about Del Revok in the movie Scanners from 1981? Or Ham Tyler in the 1980s V television series? He was Jester in Top Gun in 1986 and played Richter, in Total Recall, opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger, there in 1991. He was Captain Oliver Hudson in the Sequest 2032 television series, and he played Jean Rezek in Starship Troopers. He was the voice of Darkseid in the late 90s Superman animated series, and then would reprise that role as Darkseid in the animated Justice League show a few years later. He plays General Sam Lane in the series Smallville, And, spoiler alert, we are going to see Mr. Ironside again in a future episode of Andromeda. In the show, Dylan utters the term Croatoan in a conversation with Becca towards the end of of the show when he decides to go after Stark. Now, this word, Croatoan, is a reference to the Roanoke colony of 1587. Dylan references the theory that the colonists never left. Now, in this actual theory, the colonists are presumed to have dismantled the settlement and moved to be closer to Native American allies on the island known as Croatoan, eventually integrating into the local populace, thus having never left, as Dylan eludes. This appears to have been the belief of Governor White when he returned to the colony in 1590 after having left in 1587 in order to seek supplies he found that word croatoan carved into a post at the remnants of the settlement so we have a little actual history here yeah. to reference in this episode
1: that's especially that last little bit there that's just some really interesting stuff isn't it
0: i yeah i've i've been fascinated i've i've only actually heard of this and uh, of this situation and the theory surrounding it relatively recently yeah and um yeah, it's fascinating.
1: Right. Doesn't it feel like it's stuff you should know, though?
0: It felt like I should have known it all along, but yeah. n- I didn't. Hmm. But now I know. Right. Yeah.
1: Something else I noticed there was, man, uh, we get it all the time, but, man, it was just one after another when you were rattling off there. Lots of these people just coming right out of Smallville, Millennium, what, the 100?
0: The 100, Stargate yeah. SG-1. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just one after another. Yep. So Very well-seasoned guest list in this episode, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it was. Mm
1: -hmm. All right, so that's all of the real-life stuff we know now about the real-life people behind these characters. Um, Let's get to the interesting stuff. What happened in the episode?
0: Dylan and Tyr are investigating a missing Nietzschean colony. They find no signs of the inhabitants or their attackers when suddenly they are attacked by troops of the Knights of Genetic Purity. Hemmed in by genites on all sides, the situation looks grim until another force takes the heat off our heroes and saves the day. Dillon asks who it is that they have to thank for the rescue, and we are introduced to Constantine Stark, of the same Stark line that Dillon knows. Constantine is a descendant of Constanza Stark, Admiral of the High Guard and Dillon's mentor. Constantine, also known as the Patriarch of the Templars, has been buzzing about the galaxies helping Dylan. Behind the scenes, of course, and without his knowledge, but still, just as Dylan has been doing, fighting the battles that others can't. Back aboard Andromeda, the Templars patch their wounded, and Constantine discusses with with Dylan the Templars' next move in the fight against the Genites. Stark reveals the Genites have an asteroid base on which they are developing a secret bioweapon that will eliminate all humans possessing genetic modifications, a truly horrific weapon that can't be allowed to ravage the population. Dylan, with the blessing of High Guard Command, agrees to help retrieve the weapon in a joint attack. Becca delivers Dylan and Rami to the asteroid base, and things go swimmingly, that is, until a group of Genite stormtroopers barge into the lab and pin them down. Dylan calls in Stark and the Templars, and they arrive just in time to save the day yet again. But someone forgot to double-tap the fallen Genite soldiers, and one of them is able to shoot the Patriarch in the back. Unable to move the Patriarch off the station, Dylan orders everyone to dig in for a fight. In the meantime, Tyr has seemingly gone rogue and has taken Andromeda to another Genite base on Heimdall. Tyr harasses the Genites while Harper whines about the situation. Andromeda tells Tyr that they have what they need, and Tyr orders their retreat. Back on the asteroid, Rami tells Dylan that the information the Templars gave them was not entirely accurate. Dylan confronts the Patriarch about it, and the true plot is revealed. The Templars are stealing the Genite weapon, but not to save humanity. Instead, Constantine Stark reveals that he is actually the conscious mind of Constanza Stark, transferred to a new host body as needed for these past 300 years. And the one thing that Stark has learned in all of this time is that the Nietzscheans need to be dealt with. And with a few more tweaks, this weapon will deal with them nicely. Well, the weapon won't deal nicely with them. It actually is going to kill all the Nietzscheans, but you know what I meant. Dylan has no play, but instead of eliminating Dylan, Stark lets them return to Andromeda. Once back on board, Tyr drops a little more info Dylan's way. The raid on Heimdall revealed that the Genites are actually an offshoot of the Templars. So, having been dealt a losing hand, Dylan decides to give up and let Stark win this battle. But Becca convinces him otherwise. Andromeda launches another offensive on the Genites at Heimdall, and Dylan sneaks back onto the asteroid base to confront Stark. Faced with the prospect of fighting Dylan and the now-angered Genite forces, Dylan forces Stark to eliminate the base with the weapon still on board. Dylan and Stark both escape, knowing that they will be forced to fight each other again on some future day. The end. Interesting summary, Ethan. I really
1: appreciated that that was did did elijah write that
0: no i i you, wrote that you wrote that i was in elijah's body but yes okay it, it was me
1: i'm just i was having trouble making sense of some of it it just kind of seemed like it wasn't really flowing like there wasn't a real good con- i didn't understand what was going on it's like i don't know how to put it the whole thing just it just all seemed like a, a major charlie foxtrot I say that all for a joke. It was a great summary. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Ethan. What's up? Can't
0: stand ya. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good Seinfeld reference there. Can't
1: stand ya. Get it? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Okay.
0: I do. I think we've done that on this show before. Have we? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Pretty sure. Okay. Yep. When we had the Mobius episode. Oh. Pretty sure we did this then. Oh. Okay. It's been a while. Yeah. So. I don't fault you for
1: it. I've forgotten about it. I'm sure most of our listeners have too. Probably so. Yeah.
0: Hey, when um when someone walks up to you that you've just met and says I'm your new best friend, almost always they're not going to be your new best friend. Right. They're probably trying to sell you a car. That is true. Or a boat, even worse. I have actually heard that. Not yeah. best friend, but I'm I'm gonna be your friend. Right. Which is creepy, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially from someone that is wanting money out of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy didn't want money, but it was still kind of creepy. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this or not. Did Did Michael Ironside not give you a little bit of a uh, Jack Nicholson vibe? Okay, so we're going to go ahead and skip
1: to one of my notes.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Do
1: you remember um, on the Conan O'Brien show? I don't know if he, still, if he still does this on his show now, but back when he was on the... Uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. He always did the little bit where he did, uh, what if they mated? <laughs> yes. You, you remember that? Yes, I do so he remember that. would show that. on yeah. the monitor, you uh-huh. know, okay, this famous person and this famous person, what if they it? And there would be yeah. a computer-generated model of what that baby would look exactly. like. And it was always horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the note I have... Okay. ...about, uh, about uh, Constantine Stark here is, what if... Jack Nicholson and Red Foreman from that '70s show made it.
0: Brilliant. Yeah,
1: I think you get this guy.
0: That—that's exactly what you get. Is yeah. you get Michael Ironside. Uh huh. That is amazing, and I will never unsee that now. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah.
1: Oh, hey, I also want to add. Can't stand you. <laughs> See, because here's the thing. It sounds like Costanza. Yes, it does. I, I get, I get it? it. I get it. See, that's why it's funny. Yes. But I'm actually saying can't stand you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a good bit.
0: Just like George's high school yeah. uh, teacher. Uh, yeah, PE P- P- teacher. Gym, teacher. gym yeah. teacher. Yeah. Right.
1: No, I, I get it. I get oh, it. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, I have a question. Are Dylan and Tier terrible at detecting people on a planet? Because we open... On this planet, and they're talking about how there is no one here. This place is completely empty. There's not even a clue or a sign that someone has been here. This is, wow, no one here. And then seconds later, the place is filthy with people. Yeah. <laughs> well, how did they get through What what what's going on here? There?
0: Here's the thing. Tyr should have superior uh, vision, for one. Yeah. Superior sense of hearing, yes, and sense of smell. Right.
1: Because we've seen him do that before. Exactly.
0: Yeah, he yep. sniffed out danger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what I'm thinking is that for the Genites and for the other army, for the Templars, that armor absorbs all of that. Sound, smell, all of it. For, for both sides? I, I'm sure. Well, he couldn't tell that both sides were there. He couldn't tell that either side was there. I, I know, that's what I'm saying. So...
1: Okay, the Genites. you're saying their armor absorbs all of that. And the Templars
0: have to as well.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, they've got bare skin just hanging out there in the air, ready for the wind to carry it right into right into Tyr's olfactory senses. I'm not
0: trying to explain how it works. I'm just saying it has to work. Tyr couldn't tell anyone was there, and they were all standing around them. Okay. <laughs> in, in the immediate vicinity.
1: All right. I, I see what you're trying to sell me. And I'm not buying it. Okay. That's why. Just like that used car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So what I've learned from this episode, I'm just going to skip ahead to what I've learned from the, both the Andromeda universe and just in general. Okay. It's the white armor. That is what prevents you from being able to hit anything when shooting. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's got to be, I, I love that you made mention to stormtroopers in your summary there. Uh, cause I was thinking the same thing. Um, and and then it, when you have the scene where they're pinned down there in the uh, in the lab um not only are they terrible shots but they're very reckless and dumb right this is supposed to be where everything is being made that's going to eventually lead to their inevitable victory but they're just shooting the place up
0: yeah you hit a, you hit the wrong vial yeah and everyone's infected
1: yeah right so bad shots and dumb yeah yeah you you have have you ever seen that meme the picture of a bunch of uh stormtroopers standing in the hallway perfect pristine clean white uniforms and the caption says stormtroopers after a fun day of paintball
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) not a stain on them (laughs) yeah That's brilliant. I like that one. <laughs> hey, I thought you were doing the, the red shirt stormtrooper. Oh, no, but I was going to do that one. Oh, next. oh you, yeah. <laughs> i like, catch you off. Yeah. you want to finish that? Yes, I do. Okay, go for <laughs> All it. All
1: right. Hey, what happens when a stormtrooper and a red shirt get in a fight?
0: Uh, the stormtrooper storm misses. misses every shot, but the red, the red, shirt, red shirt still anyways. dies. <laughs> yep.
1: So one thing that we do know about Constantine Stark, if that's his real name, he is a big fan of Andromeda.
0: The show or the ship? The show. The show. Okay. Yeah, because
1: okay. it seems pretty clear that he's watched every episode. Really? How else could he know all these details about everybody? Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. Yeah. Well, they keep files. Oh, okay. They have pretty extensive intelligence system, I think.
1: So this stuff isn't being televised all across the three galaxies for everybody to <laughs> what, watch?
0: What is it they refer to it in Galaxy Quest? The historical documents? Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. let's just believe that. Yeah. It's historical documents. It then. has to be true. Yeah, exactly. Because
1: Galaxy Quest, as we both know, is the greatest Star, Star Trek, Trek movie ever, ever. made. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, I, I mm-hmm. agree with you.
0: Yeah. Hey, when they're on the command deck, did you notice something that Dylan did... That we talked about in a previous episode when it came time for the big reveal of the Genite's plan.
1: Um, Did he put on a seatbelt? No. Um, Did he?
0: He I don't know. He gave an instruction. Clear the deck. Oh, yeah. You remember that conversation we (laughs) had? Yeah,
1: right. Um, You're right. He did. He does. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But as you say that, this is all coming to me. I know why he did that. Normally, I don't think he would have. But Stark had just got done telling him, hey, we need to talk about this in private. Right. So that is fresh in Dylan's mind. He's like, listen, I don't care if everybody knows this, (laughs) but Stark here, he's really being a baby about keeping this all top secret. So you guys are all going to have to go. Just for a few minutes. I'll fill you in at the next briefing.
0: Yeah. But I I, I said... When we were talking about it before, I'm like, that is something I would I would be looking for excuses to clear the deck. Mm-hmm. And it was so gratifying just to see, just to hear Dylan bark that out, you know. It was great.
1: Right. It's, it's fun to be able to say things like that. Yeah, it mm-hmm.
0: is. It's part of being a captain.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Even if you just get to play a captain for a little bit. I bet Harper does that all the time on the night shift.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking you're, of... <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right.
1: Speaking of Harper, let's talk about Harper for a second okay. here. Um, has Harper ever been this far out of the loop? Oh man. He was
0: barely in this episode. He was so far out of the loop. I
1: know. And it's it's like the only lines they gave him is,
0: "Hey, what's going on, guys?" Yeah. something doesn't seem right about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then at the end, "Dude, you're giving up." <laughs> Dude.
1: Come on, don't bro. Don't do
0: that, bro.
1: <laughs> hey, you mad, bro? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's the only two scenes I can think of him think of that he was in, yeah, actually. Yeah, pretty much. He
1: was just yeah. kind of hanging around there. He might have been the-
0: on camera yeah. in the background once or twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was about it.
1: Basically, uh, it was like he was just there to let us know that they're doing something that everybody else doesn't know about, because even Harper doesn't know. Yeah. Right. Should Harper know?
0: No, just fix the ship. Okay. That's, a, that's all he needs to do in this episode. All right. Yeah.
1: All right. There were no beautiful women for him to make terrible comments too so that's that is true yeah so just fix the ship
0: um speaking of lines dylan utters and this is this is kind of the progression of my note here he says early on it's never easy when they get pinned down by the genites right Mm -hmm. and i was i actually wrote it down it's never easy in quotes and then next to that i wrote i liked it when dylan was a bit more positive when his tagline was bring it right and then, like, 20 minutes later, we get Bring It. Mm-hmm. So we got both as taglines, basically. Yeah. In uh, in this one episode.
1: Right. So it's interesting that you're noticing there that It's Never Easy
0: has evolved to the point
1: that it's now a tagline.
0: It's now showing up. It is it is the, I have a bad feeling about this. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's now showing up so frequently that I'm noticing it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was wondering if you were going to – I knew you would catch it, but I was wondering when you were going to bring that to attention because you may not remember this. And I wish I knew you were going to say this tonight because then I would have went back and looked. The first time he said that, I said to you on mic, I said, so Dylan said something in this episode it's going to become a regular thing and you were like what nah don't worry
0: you're going to hear it enough <laughs> so so now we have looped around now yep. you get now's the payoff yep this is like a really cool in show type thing yep i i want to know what episode that was so i can go back and hear that me too <laughs> yeah of course uh-huh. yeah
1: right which i would have but i didn't realize you were going to say that tonight so. right no yeah. i i get that right so
0: you know, catch me up on that later all
1: right so i want to talk about ambush strategy for just a second can we do that okay let's do that all right so again in that opening uh scene there dylan and Tier just walking around all alone looking around there's nobody and then all of a sudden they get expertly ambushed game over boom two shots to one of them to each of them they're dead show's over
0: but that's not how it happened. No,
1: no, they missed. <laughs> yes, right, stormtroopers, and, and then they came out single file. Yes, <laughs> created a perimeter.
0: It, not just single file, but also calling out exactly what they were going to do as they were coming out. Right. Too. Yeah, you yeah. could hear that little bit of voiceover too. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this was the worst ambush ever. Yeah. It, they. Why didn't
0: they try to get in position somewhat first before they started shooting? I, I don't know. I think it would have been, a, it might have been more scary had it been a group of night sighters. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just for looks alone. Sure. I mean, cause you see that white coming at you and you're just like, oh, I'm good. They can't hit me.
1: Right. I think what happened was the commander said, hold your fire. One of the privates at the front said, do you say fire? Yeah. <laughs> and then someone else said fire. Yeah. Right. Yep.
0: I I want to talk for a second about Rami's lie detector ability okay you remember when that happened yeah but seriously can can her lie detecting ability not tell the difference between truth uh, someone telling the truth and a mental condition I mean is that what is that what we're going with here
1: well she she's not in diagnostic mode right now she's just in
0: deceit detection okay hmm yeah but I, I mean seriously it's it's she's reading obviously his vitals his heartbeat his pulse rate and things like that and which we've already discussed on the show is not an accurate way of telling if someone's telling the truth or not mm-hmm. but you know let's let's gloss that over but she says you're either telling the truth or you're a sociopath yeah and i'm just like i, I don't know you yeah. should be able to really get something definitive
1: yeah i was going to I was going to save this for later, but I have the same note written down. Um, that is her line. Either you're a really good liar, or either you're telling the truth, or you're a sociopath. My question is, can't we kind of see that he's both? <laughs> yeah. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive.
0: You're you're, you're right. Okay. You're right. I, I yeah, yeah, I see your argument there. All right.
1: So he is telling the truth. And he from is a, a sociopath, sociopath.
0: From a certain point of view, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Um. So I want to talk about math for just a second. Uh, okay. Okay. So not
0: my strongest uh, subject.
1: Don't worry, I've already done all the math. Oh, great! You don't have to do anything. You just get to sit and listen. And when I say it, you can go.
0: Huh. Okay. Let's move on.
1: So. Okay. Let's move on. They get the warning that uh, they have 15 seconds. To uh, To stop pursuing, or else there's going to be retaliation. So then, I'm assuming that 15 seconds starts immediately after that announcement. Um, Tyr then asks Rami, how many missiles can we get off in 15 seconds? And she says, 36,000. Now, here's the problem. 3,600. 3,600, yes, yes,
0: you're right. 36,000 would
1: be... Well, there would be no planet left. <laughs> so yeah. Um I misspoke. I knew that. Thirty six hundred. Um that's important decimal placement is important in what I'm about to do next. Yeah, you're Okay. Um so yes, thirty six hundred in fifteen seconds. <clears throat> okay. Now here's the problem. They've lost six seconds during the course in, in of the this exchange. conversation. No, I yeah. Okay. I'm so how you. many missiles did they actually get off? Okay. Um, I am estimating that with the remaining nine seconds that they had, they were able to squeeze off about 2,160 missiles. Yeah, but did you
0: see on screen the actual rate of fire?
1: Yeah, I think they probably got maybe 40.
0: <laughs> Total, yeah. Yeah, and that's fudging it. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: uh, I'm glad that you said that because I... Uh, I, I went with my better judgment And didn't do it But I wanted to go back And go ahead and count The <laughs> Did you
0: actually Visually I wanted, calculate I it I wanted,
1: to, I wanted to See how many missiles <laughs> okay. Per right. second Hold and on then, Let me grab this back. right
0: quick uh, Let me grab my Super nerd card Yeah That I've held for So long now oh, Because you, of ship design Sure
1: yeah What are you going to do with that Let you me hand, hand that, that to problem. you Okay I'll there hold you this go. for you A second Super what, nerd What do you want me to do with this now You are now the super oh, nerd Oh this is mine Yes This is mine. This is yours now. Okay, hold on. Let me just go ahead. I'm going to put it in my front shirt pocket.
0: Yep, there you go. All right. Looks exactly like a pocket protector and finish your thought. I think I did. You did, okay. (laughs) Uh,
1: Um, Hey, I got a question for you, real quick. What's that? So, because I know that this is the last observation for us right now, so I thought this would be a good transition for us to talk about transitions. Yes. Between scenes. Yes. So how did you feel about those side swipe slide transitions?
0: Well, um they were awful. Okay. Someone found the setting uh-huh. and played with it a lot in uh-huh. this episode and did not execute it terribly well. Did it shake on your screen? Did it look it, very it looked, rough?
1: Yeah. Uh well, some stopping and starting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I granted, I understand this is two thousand three, two thousand four high def technology is not that great yeah, however they've I mean, given they've given it some treatments but on my 70 inch monitor that i'm looking at this on it does not look good mm-hmm. at all it, it looks wavy shaky bad on almost every single one of those left to right transitions sure those wipes
1: um i just know that i've done a better job in in powerpoint <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah All right, enough silliness. Ethan, let's go ahead and let's get into the meat of this episode. There's a lot here. Okay. So, hey, you look like you're ready and chomping at the bit to go. So why don't you go ahead and lead us off then?
0: Okay. Uh, Let's start off first. Genites. Yeah. They're back. Yeah. We've seen them before, haven't we? But did they ever really go anywhere? (laughs) That's a good point. Um, So they're developing this virus to wipe out all genetically modified humans. Of which... The population is 92% yeah genetically modified. Right. GMOs are a huge thing. Yeah. 3000 years in the future. Right. Including us. I mean, you are what you eat. Yeah? Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, this is a pretty this is a as about a devastating or dire situation that could potentially be devastating to the to humanity.
1: Yeah. Um it it seems that way, doesn't it? It does okay, but uh you know hey again let's let's do a little math here, okay, <laughs> so we're thinking of this in terms of twenty first century earth, the entire human population we're upwards of what eight billion now, something like that, yeah. all right, so ninety two percent of eight billion man, that's a huge loss that's that doesn't leave very many left, right, okay, um. But hey, this is this is millenniums into the future now. We're spread all over the three galaxies. We're everywhere. I mean, Earth. What what's Earth? There's not anyone anyone there anyway. It's so, not a
0: place worth living. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So let's go ahead and scrap ninety two percent of all the humans. There's still probably a much larger population of humans left than we currently have right now.
0: Yeah. So, what you're saying is, this plot point, we shouldn't care.
1: Well, I mean, I think that if you are genetically modified, then you should care.
0: Which, of of our crew. Right. I mean, Becca, definitely. She's got... Right. And and
1: certainly, I'm not advocating for releasing this virus on the human population. Uh, well, I would hope not, you monster. Right. But I think to say that it would be totally devastating to the human population, uh, uh, maybe just a little bit far-fetched. I think we'd be all right. Hey, you know what? Actually, that leads right into my point that I wanted to make about this virus. Again, I'm not for genocide. I just want to make that known to everybody. I I don't often take a hard stand, but I'm going to go ahead and do that on this one. Um, Generally speaking... I'm against genocide. Uh, you know, maybe
0: that's a relief to know. Yes.
1: So, uh, if they could modify this virus to take out all of, say, the mosquitoes, <laughs> maybe not such a terrible thing. Right. But right. if they modify it to take out all of the elephants, that's terrible. That's sad. Yeah. I don't. I don't want that. I love the elephants. Everybody loves the elephants. Yeah. The question that I have though is because. They are mentioned in this episode, but we don't connect the dots. Why did no one think to, instead of modifying this to, to be against the Nietzscheans, who the, uh, the Templar see as a threat, why don't we take this same virus and modify it to for somebody who everyone thinks is a threat? Who everyone thinks is a threat. You're talking about the Magog, yes,
0: but they yes. are they are not of this universe. So can their can their DNA be read?
1: Um, we've got samples, we've got them. I mean, that's true. Rev was there. I mean,
0: yeah, okay. So yeah, there's no major roadblocks that are impeding that. Okay, yeah, I'm on board. We could at least try. Yeah, fire that thing at the world ship and yeah, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Can't hurt. Sure. That was short sighted to blow that yeah. place up. Of course, unless maybe.
1: The, the Abyss takes that virus and immediately re engineers it. To Resequences kill all the humans. it and then fires it
0: right back. Yeah. 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 That, that, so, that could backfire. You know what?
1: I got an idea. Okay. Let's keep this virus out of the hands of the Abyss.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just do that. Yeah.
1: Of course, it also seems like the Abyss is smart enough. He could probably just create his own virus from scratch that would wipe everybody out. Why the need for all the violence? Can't you just do it with a massive
0: pestilence? <laughs> it's it's worked in in our own history time and time again in the past. Yeah, yeah. Seems like it would be a much less labor intensive way of going about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: probably not as entertaining though.
0: Um, I want I want to just kind of bring this up because it this has been a recurring theme throughout this third season. Okay, the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Dylan's place in the Commonwealth. Yeah, you know we have we have spoke at length about the precarious positions that the Commonwealth leaves Dylan in, or has put Dylan in, or flat out has gone after him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And now we have in this episode a situation has come up, and High Guard Command and the Com- the restored system's Commonwealth gives them full support. Full blessing. Go take care of this thing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Did this happen too quickly? did, Did it raise up any red flags in your mind when you saw this on screen with the... I forget the admiral's name now or the high guard command. Was there not just a little bit in your mind or should there have been something in Dylan's mind that would have said, Oh, they're okay with it now. But, you know, 12 weeks ago they were trying to put me in prison. Sure. Or... What the you know? What underhanded thing are they going to do after I take out the the Templar or the Genites or whatever?
1: Yeah, I think if you're watching this series, then um, we we automatically think that. Just and 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 maybe Dylan, maybe he does think that, but you know he's just such a Boy Scout and always loyal you you gotta you gotta follow your orders anyway yeah um and I mean he 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 also generally tries to give everybody the benefit of the doubt so we have this guy here who's shown up who has all these plans for everything he claims that he has the Commonwealth in his back pocket the Commonwealth radios Dylan says yes everything he says go along with it and you know Dylan's like cool, so you're going
0: to send some backup? And they're like, no. End transmission. <laughs> you got this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just sit- sitting there thinking, if I'm Dylan, I mean, I would be in the back of my mind saying, oh, great, I have your blessing. I was going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to take this bioweapon away from the Genites and then give it to you, Commonwealth, to, to store or... Use maliciously, mm-hmm. whatever the case may end up being. So, I am gonna, I am gonna actually store this on my ship next to Drago's bones and the engine of creation, and whatever the whatever other trinkets I've picked up. Oh, Nova bombs, sure. <laughs> I am gonna hang on to this on my ship,
1: Dragonia vine. Yeah, yeah,
0: no doubt. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's what I am thinking. Dylan should have been working out in in his mind, in the recesses of his strategic mind. Yeah, it, it just didn't feel like the Commonwealth had earned trust on Dylan's part. Right. Am I making my point?
1: Yeah. Okay. For sure. And and I don't – I'm not really convinced that, that Dylan did just go along with everything. I think he was just playing the game to get to whatever end he needed to. And in this case, he's thrown in this situation – He's got this guy who now wants to be his best friend. He's got the Commonwealth saying, yeah, do what this guy is doing because we're we're following along with this. We're on his side. Um, and he's just got to follow the clues. So I don't know that he does actually have just an implicit trust in everything that the Commonwealth says. He's just got to go along with the game. And then eventually he figures out what the game is, and then he starts making up his his own rules.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. All
1: right. Um, Ethan, I know we probably have some heavier stuff to discuss here in just a minute with, um, probably some stuff talking about Stark, what's going on there. And then also just the whole, uh, the Templars plan in general. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to, to lighten it up just a little bit before we head into that. um, You know a lot more than I do about things like uh, practical space travel. We're talking real-life space travel that we have seen uh, here in our lifetime. Um, You've played a lot of simulation games in which these kind of things are done, right? Um, What happens if an object is moving through space and nothing else is there to stop it.
0: It continues to move at that speed.
1: Okay, at that speed. Yes. That was my next question. What is the rate of acceleration or deceleration? Right. There isn't. No, no. Right? No, it's a constant. So, this is something that I'm I'm th- I didn't want to bring this up earlier like a thing that we're just picking at, but cuz because, because this is a thing that I see all the time in sci-fi everywhere. But they specifically addressed it. In this episode, Um, Dylan tells Becca, they're flying in the Maru, he tells her to cut power and let Inertia take us in. I'm asking this honestly, not making fun. Could you please explain to me why they need to keep their engines burning when... We see that these are the laws of motion in space that all you got to do is just ignite it and it goes. I mean this is how the, the the trips to the moon went, right? You had the Saturn V rocket. It took you into space and then you had your boosters or whatever. They got you going and then inertia just kind of takes you the rest of the way, doesn't it?
0: No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And in, in a perfect vacuum, um, this wouldn't be an issue. You, you fire your rockets for 30 seconds. You achieve the speed, the velocity that you want. Then you cut them off, and you're going to be at that speed all the way into your target until you flip it around and burn the opposite direction to stop, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Turn the flight assist off, and then... <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. There you go. The Andromeda made that move. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh-huh. It was pretty
0: sweet, too. And, and I did. I did go there. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But in this case, I'm going to throw some fantasy, some space fantasy physics at you. Okay. Okay, think about this. What were they traveling through? Space. Surrounded by what? What was floating around the asteroid base?
1: Um, uh, Debris, just stuff. Other rocks? Yeah.
0: Dust, particles, things like that. That's going to hit the front of your ship and slow you down, right? Okay. So... They may have had to have kept those engines on just a little bit longer to overcome some of that resistance that they were flying through.
1: Okay. So then if they cut them...
0: They're going to come to a stop eventually. Thus, Thus, the let momentum take us in.
1: So then do you have to do all of this manually? Or are the computers not sophisticated enough to say, this is where I want to go. This is the speed at which I want to travel. So just fire the rockets when you need to.
0: Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense, but we're paying actors to do stuff on screen here.
1: Okay, that's fine. It just seems like a very inefficient use of resources. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and I'm talking about paying the actors.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: I get it. All right. Um, okay, Ethan, I think it's time that we uh, we go ahead and we get down into the, the muck and get a little dirty here. Okay. Um, let's really talk about the meat and the gravy that is this episode. Um, we have Constantine Stark. Smell that. Yeah.
0: It's a full-bodied... Yeah. that's full-bodied. It's good. Yeah.
1: It uh, has that, uh, that umami sensation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we have here, we have Constantine Stark, leader of the... Oh, otherwise known as... Can't stand you Stark. Right. Yeah. Can't stand you. So we have can't stand you stark
0: no (laughs) constanza no no it's not it's not it's not constanza constantine slash constanza i'm referring to both of them
1: if that's his real name okay all right so anyway so yes we have this stark character and um huh i wonder if they're related to tony stark
0: probably not okay not the same universe
1: Hmm. hmm. We don't know that. For we sure. don't. Well, you're right. We don't know yeah. that for sure. Uh. Okay. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and try my fifth attempt at getting into this conversation now. <laughs> yes, we have the Stark character, be it Constantine, Costanza, one, both, neither, and we have the the Templar. Um. Is it the Knights Templar? Um. they just? They're just. I think they just going.
0: I think we're just going. Templars, because knight is already associated with the genites, which coincidentally we learn that, you know, they're offshoots of each other.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then are they, are they genites one word or are they gen Knights?
0: Ooh. Yeah. I see that little play that you, you've got if going they're, on there.
1: If they're knights, and you wouldn't want to call them genite nights. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's too then much. Then that's too much, to much for sleep. the tongue. Yeah. Good
1: yeah. night, night. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Knight. No, I, I see what you did there. All right.
0: No, knights of genetic purity.
1: Yeah. Okay. Genites. Okay.
0: Night, a nice little combination. Okay. Of the name, yeah. No, right. it works. I it see works which, as I it.
1: see what you are trying to sell there, and I will
0: buy it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. However, the Templars. Yeah. Uh, they've been running around making sure that things go the way Dylan expects them to go. Oh, how? Uh, it's all in the background. Yeah fighting the battles that others can't. Okay. So the Templar
1: are they a secret military? Are they a secret society? Is are they is is this where the where the Freemasons are going? Yes, or the Illuminati. All of it. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. But yes. No, this is these are the guys in the shadows pulling the strings but not wanting to be seen. And and so yeah, it makes sense that there would be this element that the, there would be this uh, this group that would exist along with the Commonwealth. This this is the Commonwealth Section Thirty One. Okay, so are they acting ahead of Dylan or
1: behind Dylan?
0: Both. They're, they're both laying groundwork so that when Dylan goes in, things go according to plan. They're also making sure that when Dylan leaves, things happen mm-hmm. as Dylan needs them to happen. Okay, so they're
1: the ones that are sticking around looking after all of D- Dylan's children in Vault of the Heavens. <laughs> well,
0: I, I don't think they have to really be involved in that situation. So they're not down there changing the Dylan didn't have stuff. to be, so Okay, why would they need to be involved?
1: Well, because they said they follow around and make sure that everything goes the way it's supposed to go after he leaves well they didn't say they were cleaning up messes well I mean but doesn't that happen sometimes or raising messes children. happen
0: yeah especially when you true. have children
1: yeah. dude you we both have children yeah we know
0: no I get it messes happen yeah and you gotta clean them up especially after one of those freaky Friday incidents too yeah
1: let's not do that again.
0: But yeah, so that's an interesting little bit of world building that we get out of this. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have the Templars. They're connected with a known enemy in the Genites. Um, And now with this patriarch, whether or not he is in fact Constanza Stark's disembodied consciousness, I guess that's still up for debate. Mm -hmm. Because we, we, yeah, you're right. We don't really get a definitive answer.
1: Yeah, I think that Rami's uh, lie detector test. I think that was their very lo fi way of confirming to us as an audience, yeah, it's legit. But we don't have time in this episode to do a DNA test or anything like that. So we're just going to go. Rami says it's good. So yeah,
0: we're good. Well, what's a DNA test? No going further to tell questions. Him? Is is Constantine in fact a descendant, or is he just a host body? Yeah, it's just some random dude pulled out to harbored her, Katra.
1: Right, that's true.
0: So you know, it's there's a lot of questions here that we don't get answers to. Maybe if he's going to show up in a future episode, if they remember him,
1: there could have been some questions that Dylan could have asked him. True, because Dylan would have known Costanza Stark very well. Let's not forget that Costanza Stark was his future mother-in-law.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. They've they've
1: been to dinner together before. <laughs> yeah, uh, and in in this episode, it kind of seems to just really not even gloss over that. We just don't even talk about that, right? At all. It's it's all presented to us as you know, just all the on the job stuff. Yeah, uh, I knew General Stark. Um, General Stark trained me. These were the things I learned from General Stark. Uh. General or Admiral? Did I get it wrong in the summary? Oh, no, yes. I'm saying it wrong. It's Admiral. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but either way, he he knows her very well. I, I'm also not really sure that unless there's just really all of this great respect and all the decorum, why is he why is he still calling her Admiral Stark?
0: Yeah. So no, he, was, he, should, he should
1: be calling her mom. Right, yeah.
0: So uh, it, w- what was your feeling on the on Michael Ironside's portrayal here as the patriarch is he is he somebody you're looking forward to seeing again in a future episode as an actor um I thought it was great he's a very
1: very uh interesting character actor to watch and watch him play this game um, because you know that he's using deception from the very beginning uh and then to try to to watch him try to work through that and try to keep Dylan on his side, and then when he sees Dylan is starting to stray, the way he changes his strategy, um, and these are all things that I think really come with the wisdom of age, especially someone who has been at this now for over three hundred years.
0: Yeah. So you're saying you believe?
1: I I do. I th- I I want to think that yeah, this is what's going on here. Okay. Um, having said that. I also kind of wonder about having someone that is that important and that in control mentally in the body of a sixty-year-old man.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, I mean,
1: he was tough. Yeah, right. Let's not let's not pretend like that didn't happen. He he beat down old uh, his right hand man there when right. he, just for questioning him.
0: Right, but I, I think there's a point to that. It kind of makes sense if the transference takes a toll on the consciousness or on the body that it's transferred to. And maybe there's a reluctance there to, you know, switch bodies every 15, 20 years.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: That's kind of what popped up in my mind.
1: Did did they say that? That's what happens? No. You're just assuming. I'm making making assumptions. All right. Well, they didn't say that. So I'm assuming that that's not the problem.
0: Okay. Just, um, we're just, we know. He, well, I mean, he, if you're she, assuming, if, I can assume
1: just as easily the other right, way. I get
0: it. But, but she has been in that body for a long time. We established that.
1: Uh, did we? Yeah. Because he says that he once had his blo- his leg blown off. Yeah. And it took all of those nan- nanite nights to, to, re- to, to, re, re, yeah, re- to regrow
0: a uh, leg. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, he didn't necessarily say it was in that body.
0: Mm. This was forty-two years ago. Yeah, I'm not. I, yeah, I can't fault you on that. That's okay. true. Okay.
1: So, and I, I say sixty-year-old man. I may be exaggerating, but he's he's not a spring chicken. Certainly not. So, if that was, let's say he is sixty. Let's say he's fifty. Then forty-two years ago, he would have been eight.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, let's say uh, it's okay, sixty that's years point. ago, he would have been, or he if he's sixty years old, then he it would have been. Yeah. I'll I'll concede that This is math, and I'm not sure if I'm doing that right. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. I do. So, that's a very, very, very young man in either case, if this was his current body that that happened in. Just for argument's sake, though, just imagine this. What if you have someone like, with the intelligence and the experience of Costanza Stark, but put him in Dylan's body or Tear's body. You, you think about youth versus age. There's always that trade-off. That's why you always have older people in charge and why you have younger people doing the work. Right? Is because you've got in youth you have that strength and energy. But you don't have the life experience and wisdom to to temper that and to control it but in age with age comes that experience and wisdom but you don't have the strength and the energy that you had so what if you could merge the two into the perfect union of of wisdom and experience with the strength and the energy
0: you'd be the perfect human
1: I think they're I think they're missing that
0: better more or not better than but more so than Nietzschean's yeah yeah Mm -hmm. no that's that's a great point okay so I don't want to take
1: anything away from from Mr. Ironside here Um, I thought his portrayal was great but it does make me wonder why not go ahead and cast a younger stronger actor
0: because then it wouldn't be Michael Ironside and that was kind of the thing i enjoyed about this episode okay <laughs> all right but you see you see the
1: folly though no i do with casting him i and, do okay and again i started this whole thing out, out this i see your point
0: and i don't care
1: <laughs> all right you're not gonna buy what i'm selling no no i'm not <laughs> all right i mean it, it's a good buy it's a bargain So, real quick, Ethan, uh, we touched on it just a little bit. Um, So, the Templars' plan, uh, well, actually, first, it starts with the Genites' plan for genocide.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, And then the Templar want to take that over. They want to co-opt that virus, re-engineer it, and set it for genocide. Um,
0: Wiping out an entire race. Different target. Not 92%, 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so how do we
0: feel about that? Well, in some cases, no, no, not in some cases, never, Mm -hmm. never is genocide an answer for any question. What about mosquitoes? Not even for mosquitoes, because you take mosquitoes out of the food chain, what happens? Something else is going to collapse.
1: We don't know, but if we... Do it, then we're gonna find out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gonna be the end of the world. It probably would Something be. Something that we could never possibly foresee.
0: We're already losing bees, and once they're gone, oh, we can't make food anymore. So, you know, it's it's you pull on one string and the whole thing unravels. Yeah. And I get the feeling that in this made up universe that we're talking about, it's the same thing. That you you apply the same rules. If you wipe out the Nietzscheans. One hundred percent of them, out of the the three galaxies, something else is going to go wrong, or something worse is going to take its place,
1: like the Magog,
0: possibly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, the thing is with the Nietzscheans, they are humans. Yeah. So we keep trying to separate them and put them as this is something. No, no, there's no, no. Humans, not, and not then we,
0: they're... not we. The Nietzscheans themselves separate themselves as being something other than what humans are. Well, I'm are.
1: saying we as in the universe okay. of Andromeda. Right. Because, you know, we're part of it.
0: Sure. Right? Yeah.
1: Okay. So, but it doesn't matter who you are in this universe. Everyone sees there's humans and then there's Nietzscheans. But it, the thing is that Nietzscheans are humans. They're just a different Genetic offshoot of the humans yeah they're just another they're another they're, they're not another species they're just another
0: hmm I, I, yeah uh, I, I don't remember just, my biology well enough now yeah I don't know if race is the right word have they have they given them a Latin a Latin name a Latin name a Latin name <laughs> <laughs> have they given them a Latin name like not homo sapien but homo homo sapien superior homo Nietzscheus, homo, homo Nietzscheus, yeah homo superior i i, I want to say that's been batted around a little bit in an, in an episode or two hmm. i don't know maybe not I, I might have to review that okay but yeah i i see your point yeah they are human mm-hmm.
1: um so i say this just purely to be devil's advocate because i don't i don't think it's okay even the Nietzscheans, you don't you don't wipe them out but this is something that was it not it was not natural we're not talking about something like the bees or the mosquitoes or the the elephants humans things that are naturally occurring this is something that was engineered manufactured so isn't just the fact of doing that pulling on the strings yeah haven't we pulled on the strings
0: already? yeah yeah and and look at the result the Nietzscheans came home to roost on earth took it over ruined it right Uh, they've taken over a myriad other worlds sure throughout the galaxy so yeah so
1: would it be such a terrible thing to just snip that string and tuck it back in
0: Mm. principally I'm going to say no you can't think about that so yeah let's just leave it there what do you do (laughs) you don't use the weapon okay you destroy the weapon. All right. And, you and don't when, think about going down that dark path.
1: And then when the Nietzscheans come after you, ready to wipe all the kludges out. Well we sit there thinking, well, we had this thing, we could have prevented this whole thing.
0: That's a good question. Yeah. I well I, I'm I'm gonna stick with my moral answer though. All right. Of you you don't you don't dare to go down that path.
1: All right. All right.
0: But that's easy for me to say, sitting here, sure. safe and warm in my home mm-hmm. in 21st century Earth. Sure, uh, I I am agree I'm agreeing with you. I
1: am in agreement with you. However, I will say that is why the Nietzscheans will win.
0: <laughs> You're right. Mm-hmm. No, I, I see I see your point.
1: All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, Ethan. Let's go ahead and let's let's move on to our quote for the episode. Does that sound good to you? Yep. All right. Gentle beings. I bid you welcome welcome to the blood to the sweat to the tears welcome to your places on the wall and that was a quote from the ever famous Admiral can't stand just Stark
0: is that ever going to get old for you no okay why has it gotten old for you a little bit okay no I'm fine with it though
1: all right Um, so it's good to know that, first of all, I just want to say that because we, Becca, we've seen her extensive, uh, CD collection. So it's good to see that many of the, um, the, the, like the blood, sweat and tears have survived into this century as well.
0: I was thinking a little Pink Floyd survived there too. Yes. The wall.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, so gentle beings is that just a uh a way of saying gentle persons gentle cuz you can't say gentlemen can't say ladies and gentlemen
0: right gentle beings and it also encompasses other uh alien races as well okay yeah no this is a this is a this is a good quote i mean no, there's nothing profound here i mean obviously stark is a warmonger no not not warmonger but but definitely military oriented or military minded. Okay. And that's kind of a negative way of, of welcoming folks to the line, mm-hmm. the wall. You know, you're going to take your place on the wall. Mm-hmm. You're, you're stepping into your position to hold the line.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not going to be pretty. There's going to be blood. There's going to be sweat. It's going to be awful at times, but there's some nobility in there as well. Okay. Um, I will disagree with one thing you just said. Okay.
1: I would say that Costanza Stark is a warmonger. Uh, Just the little bit that we have learned about her, she seems like, man, she's just, she's tough. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad thing in itself. Right. She's tough, always looking for the edge. Yeah. And it's always teaching Dylan how to always look for that strategic advantage even when there doesn't seem to be a need for it. Uh, you're always looking at the worst possible scenario. And that's what she's describing here is, hey, welcome to the high guard. And it's going to be terrible from
0: here on out. Prepare to lose your soul. Yeah, right. Which which Ooh, is the, yeah. what they talk about a lot in this episode. Uh, right, I like that. Yeah.
1: Nice parallel there. Because uh, that's exactly, that's what Dylan says that has happened to Costanza Stark now. Yeah. It, it may be her, but she's lost her soul.
0: Yeah. And that's, yeah, and, and that all of this kind of comes around now in in this discussion here. You were asking about, is genocide the answer? Well, not if you, not if you haven't lost your soul. Mm-hmm. If you, if you're, if you want to keep your soul, you don't make that decision. And you also don't stick stick around in the military for 300 plus years mm-hmm. fighting this continuing battle. Because okay. you will lose yourself in it. And that, yeah, obviously that's what's happened to her.
1: Yeah. Um, is Is losing your soul always the worst possible thing that could happen?
0: Yeah, because that makes you a loose cannon at that point.
1: Okay. So what if you were told you could save all of humanity... But you have to lose your soul.
0: I'm going to be selfish.
1: Nobody else is going to care. Nobody else knows what you did.
0: Yeah, but I'll have to live with the, the aftermath. Do you? Mm, maybe.
1: Maybe. I don't know.
0: And I don't want to.
1: All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's getting dark. Yeah. So <laughs> let's just go ahead and move on then. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead. let's go ahead and wrap it up then, Ethan. Um. Here we are, the end of our discussion. Already. Twilight of the Idols.
0: Uh final thoughts. Uh it's an important episode. And there's a little bit of world building here. And some interesting ship design. This uh the Seraphim carriers. I think that's the first time I can remember seeing them. Interesting ship design. I liked it. Reminds me of the uh uh acclimator cruisers from Star Wars, but uh that's neither here nor there. Um No, it's an important episode. It's a really interesting character study with Dylan. I mean, we get into Dylan making moral choices and whether or not he's going to maintain his soul or leave it or lose it. And he says he's not willing to go as far as Stark has. And and that says a lot about our our hero here, our character. Um, We also get a little bit just just a little bit of the, the tear falling out being discussed here. When Stark says, uh, this dance that you're doing with tear can only end on a bad note.
1: Yeah, so my problem with that line was I feel like he was mixing metaphors. Yeah. If he'd have said, this song you're singing with him is going to end on a bad note, <laughs> I'd have let that slide. <laughs> Maybe even say this song and dance. Yeah, okay. But uh, you, you don't end a dance on a note it's a step
0: i get why you would say that okay okay but in in any case it's a little bit of an homage to those things that we had have learned about previous episodes that we liked seeing Mm -hmm. and so yeah for that reason it's it's a good character study of dylan it's a decent episode no a good episode relatively speaking particularly when we take everything in from season three here Uh, it gives us a lot to think about and to chew on and uh, possibly another thread to pull on later if, if in fact, uh, Stark returns. So, I liked it. it. It's a good episode of season three episodes. It's a, it's a high recommend. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, I liked it. All right. So, here's what I will say about the world building.
1: Um, the thing that I was thinking about coming into this was so many times when you have a story... Uh, your series kind of gets lost in that story. And then you try to do other things, and like like we have seen a lot in Season 3 here. Now we have done things that are not part of that story so much to the point that it's almost like we are losing our original story. Um, every once in a while, we'll get a little hint about that. Now, I think that the rest of Season 3 kind of sours this episode a little bit because let's go ahead and I don't mean to totally rewrite season three but here I go what if instead of having all of these standalone episodes that really have nothing to do with our overall story arc that that we have grown accustomed to so um let's just imagine for a minute that this story arc has been very well carried through season three about the Magog world ship, uh, the rebuilding of the Commonwealth, and all that stuff. Now we have this episode, and then what we have is suddenly more world-building on an already rich world.
0: And Well, that's a totally different series.
1: You're right. It is. <laughs> okay. But now, instead of having something that's totally unrelated to anything, now what we have in this episode is we have reminders of what our big story is, but now there's also this little story that's within it. And if you look out through history, any of these revolutions or big changes or any of the big, big things that happen um, throughout history. There are also smaller stories within those stories. It's never just about the kings or the generals in charge and going on, doing the march and, you know, winning the war or making the changes or whatever. There's always also those other little groups that have their own interests. So in that sense, I think that what they've done here is accurate to what really happens, there's going to be factions, there's going to be subgroups, there's going to be interest groups. They have their own agendas. Um, even though this bigger thing is going on and they're concerned with it, they're also concerned with with how things are affecting them. So this is one of those times when I think that this is a story that I think would have actually fit really well into uh, a better written season three where we have that, that story arc continuing on throughout. Um, and I feel like this episode kind of suffers because of what the rest of season three has done. And I think that's a shame because I'm imagining it's that season three and this episode in that scenario, and suddenly this becomes a not bad episode. This is, goes from a not bad episode to a very interesting episode. So I'm going, to, I'm going to make an executive decision here. I am going to pretend like all those other things that I just said is what's really going on here. And I'm going to elevate this episode to what I think it could have been and should have been. Because you take this episode by itself, and I actually think it's, it's a really strong episode. There are some things that are not great about it, um, but we're talking about very small things. You know, you get the stormtrooper cliche, the bad transitions between the scenes. I don't care about any of that. That's what you you're used to that in in your sci fi. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let all that go. And I enjoyed the play, the interplay between uh, Stark and Dylan um, the moral dilemma that Dylan finds himself in and ultimately has to make a decision that is not completely resolved by the end of this episode and not resolved in the sense of Ooh, what happened, but it is unresolved in the sense of, oh, what's going to happen? Yeah. So that's a good way of not resolving a situation. It, in le- an it left us
0: wanting more. Right,
1: exactly. So, um, yes, I am going to give this one... Uh, Three thumbs up. Nothing, no, I, nothing, I agree. I, I, I like this episode a lot. I, th- I thought it was great. Okay. Well, then uh, I guess we're in agreement then. Now, I'm sure that there are probably some people out there, believe it or not, who actually might agree with us. And if they do, we would love to hear from them. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make another executive decision. Even people that may not agree with us. Uh, Reluctantly, I want to hear from them too. Ethan, I want you to tell me
0: how could somebody get a hold of us if they wanted
1: to talk to us?
0: Might I say, very magnanimous of you. Well, thank you. Okay. And they can send that email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com.
1: They can also find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter at Pod. Both of those locations where we send out all of our messages and let you know what's going on. And you can contact us through there, too. So we'd love to hear from you. We are on Podbean. That's our home on the web. AndromedaSeries.Podbean.com You can go back there and listen to all of our back issues if
0: you'd like to as well. Uh, We also do have a tip jar. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure and leave us some stars and reviews. We'd certainly appreciate that. Also, you can catch us on Player FM. Good thanks to our big friend Doug
1: Anderson for giving us his voice again for the opening quote of this episode. Uh, As you may or may not know, but I'm going to remind you, we are an Age of Geek production. Check those guys out over there. A lot of big stuff coming out. They have the Cafe Cinema stuff, especially leading up to uh, Star Wars Episode IX. Those guys are really busy, hard at work, uh, gearing up for that. They're going through every single Star Wars movie leading up to that so and uh we hope that you guys will join us back here again next time as we look at the uh i think it's a two-parter here day of judgment and day of wrath is that right no that's just just, just it's just one yeah one episode day of judgment day of wrath